In this episode of Pass the Mic, Alicia and Shafir discuss the intersections of their Ismaili Muslim and queer identities. So Shafir, I feel like I recognize you. Yeah, I get the, the same the same sense from you somehow. Like I'm Gujarati and where you, where what do you identify with? So I'm Gujarati. Mm-hmm. Um so my my paternal side is from Uganda, Idi Amin, Ismailis, and mm-hmm. my mom's side is from Kenya. Mm, I see. Yeah, how about you? Um, my mom's side's like from Gujarat. They've been there for for ages and ages. And my dad's side, they were yeah, they were from from Kenya and Uganda. Um, I think my my uh, daddy ma is, is from Uganda, and my dad papa, he was. Yeah, he was, he was, he was, what was he born in Kenya? Yeah, I think he was. He was born in Kenya, I believe. And they migrated, like, in the earlier 1900s, like, like I think 1910-ish, something like that. Okay. Um, they migrated from Gujarat to, to Kenya. Okay. And that's what I know. Yeah, so my family has been in East Africa for like three generations like I have mm-hmm. nobody left in in India mm-hmm. um, and I still do have a lot of family left in East Africa mm-hmm. the family that I have no family left in Uganda but mm-hmm. I have heard that if uh, if my family who were in Idi Amin they can go back and get their citizenship and they'd be granted their citizenship because of the reasons that they had to leave oh I see yeah and then I would get citizenship and you end up by proxy, which is an instrument. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cool. Wow. I, I wonder if my family members could also get their citizenship then. Yeah, if they came during Idi and then probably, yeah. I think they left just at, just before, just before, because um, they knew what was going to happen. And mm-hmm. uh, it played the cards played out like that. They were just like, we're going to peace out. So, and then they moved to the uh, UK and then from there to Canada. Yeah. So some folks are in the UK. Some folks are in Toronto. Some folks are now in the West, you know, Edmonton, Alberta, yeah. BC. I literally. No one's in Saskatchewan. <laughs> I have, I have like obviously huge family. I'm brown. And they're everywhere. I have family in Greece, the UK. I have family who ended up in Switzerland because of Idi Amin. I have Vancouver here in the States. Kind of ended up everywhere. I smileys love to travel, I guess. Very nomadic. Mm-hmm. But that's so, I love that as well, right? That's part of being a, a very proud community, I think. But. So I'm using these to fidget with. You have your Thaspi? Yeah. Yeah, my daddy gave me this thespi, like, ages ago. Oh, I like its color quite a bit. Thank you. Sorry, I just dropped something. Yeah. I also keep um, it around my wrist with my, like, that Pathmodoro, so everybody knows I'm a smiley. Every smiley knows I'm a smiley when I walk by. Yeah. Mm. I have, um, I really like the, I don't know, I'm stuck in it right now deciding, because I have, um, I usually use, like, pretty thin, small beads mm-hmm. in my thespies. Yeah. But uh, my Lala Papa just gave me this thespi that has very thick, long beads, and they're very smooth, and that's been a great time. It's a different experience, everyone you get. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they're always, 
I've never like gotten, I've never bought myself a thespy, you know? Yeah. It's not, buying one feels weird. Yeah. Yeah, I have one in my car too. They're kind of, just remind me. Also, I love how like the, the practice is very meditation oriented. Yeah, definitely. And now you see people walking around with their like meditation beats and stuff. Some terms that we use during this podcast that we're going to define are as follows. First, I guess we'll talk about the, the Kane or the Jamaat. Um, so Jamaat Kane or Jamaat Kana, these terms are interchangeable and they refer to like our mosque, our, our place of gathering where we pray and we do our rituals. The Jamaat can also refer to like the community, the people in the, the Jamaat um, is a term that's used. Right. And another term that we might have used would be Murids, which is also a reference to the whole community. Okay, so thusbi is like um, prayer beads that we use during our um, prayers or for meditation. Mm -hmm. And thusbi can also refer to, I think, prayer or certain, yeah, certain prayers as well. Mukisaib mm -hmm. is, is a reference to um, one of the, like the appointed heads of the Jamaat, who's just responsible for taking care of the community and and leading folks. And then the term for a female um, appointed leader would be Kamriya. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they lead prayers and stuff like that. But anyone in the Jamaat can say dua, mm -hmm. which is uh, prayer. Like Sunnis might have um, several imams, but for Ismailis, we only have one imam, and they're a direct descendant of Prophet Muhammad or, and of Ali. And so they, 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 I guess, define and dictate what dua is. So anybody can do dua. Yeah, so sukrit is like delicious. Oh, it's so good. So yummy. It's like a, a, I don't even know how to describe it. I don't know really what the cultural significance is of it, other than that it's something that we, there's like um, a blessing done to it, a prayer done over it, and it um, is given to you after you do your dua and you eat it. And it's delicious. Yes. So then didar is when um, the imam of the time visits and, uh, and you do prayer with, with him. It's a pretty special time for, for Ismailis. At the end of our dua, we always say, may you be blessed by, um, by didar in your lifetime. Mm -hmm. And so like, it's a very, like people will travel like hundreds of kilometers to, to do divar. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's relatively rare, but when it happens, it's like huge. It'll happen in like a, a huge stadium or something like that. Mm -hmm. Niaz is like, uh, you'll, you'll do niaz and you'll get sukrit after. And that's a particular prayer. Um, like you, you know what, Alicia, I, I, I'm not well versed on the meanings of, of niaz. Neither am I. Um, so it is a specific prayer. Essentially what happens is after the whole Jamath does their dua, you walk up to like um, like these little booths where Muki Saib and Kamyanima might be sitting and then also other people who can do prayers. And you do like one-on-one -on -one prayers. And when that happens, a part of the prayer 
is you get your niaz, which is like, um, it's just like a little cup of holy water, essentially. It's very different during COVID now doing it, but we, um, it's just a little cup of holy water and then they do a prayer and you drink it and they do another prayer. Tarika is uh, a term um, just about the spiritual path, I think. Yeah, no, just a spiritual path that, that um, the, the Ismaili community walks. The imam of the time is Hazri Imam. His, that's his like religious title. And um, his name is Shakrim Al-Husseini. We also call him Mullah Baba, but I think that's yeah, what like, younger folk call him. It's like an endearing name, Mullah Baba. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You're right. I definitely, <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh yes. And he, so he kind of guides our tariqa and our spiritual practice. Um, the idea is that the imam of the time is like a, a constant presence in, in a, a constantly changing historical and cultural context that guides us in interpreting the revelations delivered to Prophet Muhammad and, and his followers. I guess, yeah, that's kind of what like the three is all about. The guidance and teachings. So Navros, the Iranian New Year, or the Persian New Year. It's about the new year and the first day of spring, generally about spiritual renewal and physical rejuvenation. So springtime. Daddy and Dada and Nani and okay. Nana. So Daddy and Dada are the paternal grandmother is Daddy and paternal grandfather is Dada. And then Nani or Nani Ma is the maternal grandmother and Nana or Nana Papa is the maternal grandfather. Some people might just call him Ma and Ba. There's like um kind of, there's a lot of languages within the Ismaili community. And I know that that's not, I think that's Gujarati, but it might not apply to everyone. Ismailis are spread throughout the world. And there's a lot of cultures who follow the Ismaili faith, like a lot, which is another really significant thing when we talk about the Imam, um, because, you know, like each culture has its own terms, its own specific rituals, prayers, and, and whatever, but what binds us all together is that, is our um, imam. <laughs> so I think that's important. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, we're Shia Muslims. I um actually like recently, so Kane is like our mosque. And I recently went back uh, maybe like a week or two ago. <laughs> and I think it was the first time I've been to Kane in in a year since the pandemic started and I don't consider myself very religious like I consider myself very much a part of the community but lately I've been really feeling that like desire to to have connection to my roots how is um like how is the kane is it like what does it look like you know is it how do you feel there it's so bizarre um it's yeah, it's so bizarre. Um, okay, so the little things that I love about Kane, um, like the chai and digestive cookies after, obviously. Is <laughs> yeah. Um, and my my dada, my grandfather, um, always made like the chai after Kane. I think it gave him like a sense of purpose to bring like the huge containers of chai. <laughs> but I um, and I, I yeah, I know that he misses that too, but. It's kind of, you do your dua, like you do the prayers and then you leave and the little rituals within dua, um, mm. like the shajidar, all of that obviously is not happening. So it's, it's very bizarre being there. 
are people I've, I've been wanting to go as well honestly but i've been kind of hesitant generally i find yeah no i'm pretty i tend to be very cautious and i and my grandparents also ask me to visit and i feel nervous because i'm like oh you know yeah ask, oh my god every single week they're like you're gonna visit i'm like mm, maybe and then I sometimes know. i will it's I like it's relate to this but my daddy and dada so my my paternal grandmother and paternal grandfather uh like they they lay on the guilt trip like really yeah. hard yeah so i get a lot of like my body's a prison my life is a prison you need to come see me it makes me like so sad for them and all mm-hmm. yeah no actually that is tough the, my 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 daddy my dad papa are a bit different in that they'll just um those bits are coming like today if i'm like wow that's really direct and they they just assume i'm gonna come and then i, I end up coming because i'm like oh how do you it's very hard to say no they're very persuasive but it is it is nice to see them still and say duel with them like you said i really like i like the the rituals are so awesome and uh and just you know grabbing a taspi from the bin and Oh my gosh, Nandi. I miss Nandi so much. Oh my god, it wasn't the same. Yeah, and like the juro, like after after mm-hmm. doing Nia's, it, first of all, Nia's, they put in a little pill bottle that you're not allowed to have there. So you have to take oh. it home. And then okay. there's no like Sukrit. It's um, just like a, like a, they gave us a Hershey kiss, kiss when I was there. That's lame. I know. But- so I've been thinking about learning how to make it. Yeah. Yeah. What's the name for it? What's the name for Sukrit when it's not? Do you remember? No, I don't know. There's a name for Sukrit that's like not in Kane, that's like not blessed. Oh. You can just make and eat. But, anyways, I'll ask ask my therapist. She'll know. Mm. Any smiley questions I have, I ask my therapist. Oh, is she a smiley too? Yes. Highly recommended. Oh, that's awesome. What? You have a smiley therapist? Yeah, and she's queer. I just like. What? That's so awesome. Nice. Wow. I feel like I've been gaslit by therapists my entire life. Um, mm. Primarily white therapists. Yeah. Like, oh, like, you know, that wasn't racist. It probably wasn't. Like, what they meant, it wasn't their intention. The first time I got, like, a, a POC therapist, and they were like, oh, that was racism that you dealt with. It was, like, incredibly validating to hear for the first time in my life. Absolutely. Yeah, it's so important to have therapists that you know match match our identities mm-hmm. um it took a while for me to find one that i liked as well and they're white and sometimes they definitely it's just very apparent there's a disconnect but i do feel like there's also still a um a lot of space for learning and for sharing that's there so i really appreciate that mm-hmm. although i'm moving on from their <clears throat> practice it's just like the time you know i feel like i graduated a good feeling yeah it is well it's interesting it's not so much like uh it's it's more like it's time to move on from this support and go look for other ways of, of finding support you know mm-hmm. and so it's like a weird transition feeling but i'm really happy that you have a a, a queer smiley therapist as well because that's like amazing that's awesome right if you're ever i don't know if um I, i'll send you i'll send you her name I like she's just a phenomenal person as far as like social justice things go and things like that she always helps me with like intellectual conversations about like 
systems of oppression and things like that. And if I ever, I ever need to debrief something as far as that goes, she's also really phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really nice to have someone to talk about like races are or that um, lack of understanding, I guess. So I grew up in Sherwood Park, so I grew up around like all. Oh, well, me too. Well, I live in, I'm in Sherwood Park right now. Oh, okay, okay. I was like, how do we not know each other? Yeah. Because there was three Ismailis that grew up in Sherwood Park, and I'm pretty sure you weren't one of them. Why? Really? Wow. That's so whack. What? You grew up in Sherwood Park? Yeah, I, but I, I've been living here since I was, well, actually, no, my whole life I've lived in Sherwood Park. Oh. So that's pretty funny. It's so bizarre we don't know each other. But I have, like, I have stories about growing up Muslim in Sherwood Park, like, like infinite stories about my experiences. So I'm curious, what was your experience? Well, uh, <laughs> it was so, yeah, oh my gosh. I also have some stories. I found, I noticed a lot, really, more so than, it definitely impacted the way, actually, my family practiced a lot. Like, the way their practice looked like in this environment like, I guess it was very, like, I don't know how you describe it, pal- palpable? Like, it was, it, it's been a journey for them, I think, to find how they want to do. So my family's actually been kind of disconnected from the faith in the community. Like, my mom doesn't actively practice, or my sister, or little brother. My dad kind of does, but he's disengaged from the community. And so I'm just kind of on my own, like, learning about the practice and trying to engage uh, with my dad whenever he's feeling it. A lot of people don't really know, like being a Muslim already is hard enough, I think, in, in Sherwood Park or in Edmonton. But then uh, being a smiley is like, like people really don't understand Ismailism as in the Muslim community. And so what was tough for me was actually finding other Muslims in the community to connect with yeah. uh, who didn't understand what being a smiley was and were quite, um, I don't know, not very understanding, very... No, I know exactly what you're saying. I, I think I've experienced that. I um, actually have in the recently have worked with um, like a, a Sunni Muslim man, and we were kind of talking about our faith and things like that. And then I told him I was a smile, and he was like, "Okay, well, you're like not really Muslim." Yeah. And it was like, but like, I am Muslim to to racist white folk. But when I want to be a part of like a community then like sometimes I'm not Muslim enough, which becomes very frustrating. What I really like about being Ismaili is how the faith is so, like I do feel it's quite distinct from the rest of of Sunni or Shia Islam. There's a a profound sense of othering that went on um, Mm -hmm. and still goes on. And it is quite, I don't know, bizarre. Like I think absolutely being Ismaili is so unique. I can't think of any other um, sect or, or, or other group within, within I think, the Shia Muslims that really encompasses my worldview so well. Mm-hmm. And uh, even when I was disconnected from the faith, being a smiley was still something that was there. Like, I was always, I always would practice being a smiley, even if I didn't acknowledge the faith or didn't identify with it or that label, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I will say, um, sorry, something that you mentioned earlier is that like the capacity of Kane right now is minimal. I went there on a Friday and there was like maybe 10 people there in like the whole Jamath. We were so spread apart. It was like so small. So if you're feeling uncomfortable, I would say that honestly, it's probably a safer space to go to than even school right now. 
Okay, that really does make me feel better. Tough to hear only 10 people are, wow. It's sad. It's like, it, it feels sad, but doing my dua like felt good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't have it memorized, but. That's okay. I read mine from the book too. I have a cute, oh, check it. I have this cute little book. It's super pocket size. <gasps> oh yeah, that's the one that they sell in the, right? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> oh, there's a receipt in here. Why? Okay, but yeah, yeah. Actually, I got this one when I was um, small, like when I was ten, uh, for saying "Joy and Connor." Oh right! See, yeah, I never, yeah, yeah. I never went through those milestones. So I feel like um, me personally, I disconnected from the faith when I was fairly young, and so did my whole family. So I think that growing up, my family just really tried to like approximate themselves to whiteness and white culture as best as possible and very much hid that part of their faith and when I was fairly young we all stopped going to Kane and so I was the same way like people didn't like nobody in my family really practiced the faith and for a long time I just like used to pray to be white because I was dealing with so much racism at school and stuff and I just like wanted to forget that I was Muslim or like brown and and so it's taken me a long time of trying to like reflect on myself to like come back to a smileism and learn about it and stuff mm-hmm. so i never had that experience of like doing the dua and kane and stuff mm-hmm. i was i mean um my experience was kind of like i think i was we were pretty active in our practice up until i was about 12, I think, yeah, just until after BUI. Like, BUI was great for our whole family. It engaged all of us, actually, which is something I hadn't thought about until just now. And I, I really enjoyed it. It was a funny story. I think uh, when I was, like, in the fourth grade or something, yeah, my mom's... So we have a, a very interesting family dynamic. Uh, but my mom's partner, because uh, my mom and dad are, are married, but actually... They were never like it was it was very much a, a marriage in name and not in practice mm-hmm. so my mom had a partner um she's gay and so her partner was like oh shafira hasn't said dua yet like we're gonna make him do it and so she sat down with me and i memorized dua and, and then she's like okay now you're gonna go to the classes and you're gonna do the same thing and you're gonna say i'm like oh and she's like all right and then we did it over i think over christmas yeah mm-hmm. way back um in, in 2010 um and then we just went for it and so just those sort of um it, I, I guess i was just trying to talk about how much i really enjoyed bui and uh and that community you know it was nice to hang out with other young ismailis who also yeah knew that othering and, and yeah i agree i felt um I, don't, I i grew up very much like a recluse from everyone just like generally very introverted and and so, like, I also, like, didn't really get along very well with people in the, the Jamaat and especially the girls there. And I found the culture to be very, to have kind of, like, an exclusive mindset. My family was not wealthy growing up. And, and I imagine you understand that's, like, in the Ismaili community, like, um, mm-hmm. a lot of people can be very judgmental and, like, they're very wealth-oriented at times. So I just felt like I just didn't fit in there just because I didn't, I never felt that my family fit in. I, I, I think I understand what you're saying though. See, my family was, when we were young, we were quite wealthy actually. And so 
we we fit in in that way Mm-hmm. But then the, this piece about queer identity, it's, I think, even though I didn't always know it, um, it's always been a part of my life because um, my family is a pretty non-traditional structure. Yeah, um, our family structure is a bit different. I definitely had trouble fitting in because folks weren't, like, they didn't understand. Mm-hmm. Other other young kids didn't definitely made fun of queer identities a lot, actually, when uh, when I was young. Yeah. Um, and, you know, at one point I even brought that home and it was not okay um, yeah. when I did that, right? And, of course, um, because it was actually harmful to me too. But that made it hard to engage with some of the other kids sometimes too. I, I feel like for, for folks in the, in the Jamaat who do hold those identities or, or feel a bit ostracized in some way, there is a tendency to, like when people disengage from the Jamaat, there's not, I think, a lot of outreach. There's not, you know, like, do people in the community really try to help people who've been disconnected? That is a fair point. I get that. And especially, like, when you're young, you just hear this, like, super homophobic rhetoric and and very classist rhetoric, too, all the time. And it's really hard not to internalize that. And so I get that, like, with my queer identity. I think that... I had to like separate it. Like when I'm, when I'm a smiley, this is like who I am. And when I'm queer, I'm not a smiley. Like I just, I had to like, just create a divide in it. Mm-hmm. Having said that, my sibling is like non-binary and very queer. And um, like our, my, my mom has been really cool about it. And I think that like, when I talk about being a queer Muslim, that, people often want me to say that it's been really, really hard and terrible and I've been ostracized. And I think that that kind of feeds into the like oppressive, oppressive Islam that, that people want, like expect to hear about the community and that I'm not saying that that's not other people's experience, but that certainly as an adult hasn't been my experience. As an adult, I would say my experience is very different than when I was a child because I would say my parents' relationships with the faith were more of a defining factor than my own. Like, I guess, yeah, my parents' relationships with, with Islam and with Ismailism was what defined my relationship with it, you know? But I've been able to choose how I want to have my own relationship with the faith, and my experience has been quite positive as well. As an adult, as a kid, it was tough because you're torn between... I was torn between the two different... Like you said, there was Ismaili or queer... But then there was also elements of like the social support network and, and just political drama that kind of went on with, with my family. And so that's what disconnected us. But when I went back to the faith and decided to, to learn more and do my readings and, and like say dua and, and practice, then things became really positive for me, actually. So I would agree with you. There's that, definitely that dynamic. People want you to, or expect, um, the Muslim community to be like, like that, ostracizing. Totally, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I agree. It is, yeah, very, and I think it's changed a lot since I was young. Mm-hmm. Or maybe my understanding of the faith has changed a lot since I was young. I'm interested to hear more about what you mean with the like political and social supports from, from the Ismaili community, because I have my own experience with that. Um, like, if you're comfortable speaking about it, you certainly don't have to. 
Oh, sure. Yeah, I don't mind. Um, actually, my mom wanted to, I think, divorce my dad a while back. And when she went for support, she was just kind of shamed and, and blamed quite a bit. And then after that, she really disengaged from the community. Like that experience for her was very stigmatizing and, and difficult. And, uh, and since then, like going to Kanye was always a bit of a struggle for our family. Like me and my sister never ever wanted to go. And then uh, it would always be a bit of a, we would definitely have to be persuaded a lot. And so then there just wasn't the same effort. And like, it was, it really good, like what you said, like that trying to assimilate into the white community made it difficult to practice at home. And, you know, that pressure on top of internal struggles, like not like, you know, feeling ostracized within the community or not uh, getting help when, when it was asked for, like those two blows, I think just made it too difficult for a family to engage. And so we disengaged, right? But then like having certain Ismaili mentors or, or having just folks talk about their faith and then being able to engage with it independently has been really powerful and meaningful for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Because that would be hard. And I've seen people leave the community for less. Um, and I think when you're young, you, you certainly follow what your, your family feels about the community and you can make your own decisions I suppose when you're a little bit older and choose to take what you need and leave what you don't but I can certainly see how that would be very difficult I'm curious about your experience yeah um so mine happened this year so I haven't really been a part of the a smiley community for a long time I still have like I still did like Thusby, I still did my Dua, um, but I didn't go to Kane and I didn't really, other than my therapist, engage with any Ismaili people and like my sibling who I live with. But there was like an incident where, um, like Anna knows about it, where my like sibling got hospitalized. And I was at the time working two jobs, full-time student and like my sibling is my roommate so we I had kind of like um become their caretaker it became like very very difficult for everybody involved and I um ended up actually my therapist reached out to the Ismaili health board which is essentially like um like a, like a social, a couple social workers that work with the Ismaili community. And I think that mostly they work with the elders in the community, but she reached out to them and told them that I, like the, like my sibling and I needed some support. So I had the Ismaili health board and the social workers reach out to me. And for like a couple weeks, they were bringing me food and had a couple like elders in the community cook for me and and bring me food and and my sibling and uh they were checking in on me to this day we still have meetings they hooked me up with some resources so like during this time like a couple days after my sibling got hospitalized and like I didn't know at the time if they were going to be okay or not um I ended up uh, my boss wouldn't let me take a day off work I ended up going into work was like not okay the whole day came back and I was ended up like crashing my car on my way home from work 
and um, reached out to them and they found like an a smiley mechanic that would help me fix my car and like I did pay for it but like it was just like don't know what I would have done without the support but also like they they know my my siblings queer identity and we did like zoom meetings in my house where I have like I was sitting in my living room and I have like very gay art just everywhere and they could see it and like one of the guys like the old papas in the meeting was complimented one of the pictures and it was just like so surprising to me but like I don't know what I would have done without the Ismailis and it would just made me be like oh like I'm so glad to be a part of this faith wow what a wholesome story I know <laughs> that's so awesome yeah yeah wow I'm I mean it's nice to hear good stories about the social support network. Um, and I'm really curious about what experiences are like now. I've noticed shifts within the community as well. Um, really within the last like 10, 15, like every, like, I think there's definitely that element of growing older, but hundred percent, the communities we live in have shifted so much from 10, 15 years ago. Every community has that that's on this land. And, uh, and, and our communities is, is part of that as well. I'm very curious about what other people's experiences are because I haven't really really ever asked, you know, or talked with folks about their experiences with the board or with seeking social support. So you know how, like, back in the day, older folk would be like, oh, like, did you hear, like, he's in therapy? And now we're like, oh, you'll never guess what my therapist just said. And, yeah. like, we're very vocal about it. I think, I think that shift applies, whereas because like and i think um the ismaili community can can have a lot of pride so i think people are a little apprehensive about seeking supports or don't want to talk about the fact that they've they've uh, especially older folk which i think are the people who who get the most support from the community don't really talk about it so much i would agree with you um well i think you know for me when i was younger like it's just tough to practice when you're when you're young and practice can be kind of shameful, right? And the opposite of that would, would, would be, I say, pride, right? Like we have a very prideful community. People really value being, being autonomous and independent, having their own agency and being liberal in, in the way they practice and, and in their everyday life, right? Mm -hmm. I can't speak to my siblings' experience in the, in the mosque because it's not mine, like, and I, I'm not trans, but I, like, I know that okay, so the mosque, like, we split it. So, like, women on, on the left side and the men on the right side. I'm queer, but there's nothing outwardly about me that, that would make people think that I'm queer when I, I walk into that space. So I feel relatively safe. But I, like, know that trans folk would not feel the same way, given the setup of, of how the mosque works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do wonder what Jamaats around the world are doing and how they are. Because I think it does seem like people talk about trans identity and queer identity more often now. And it's more acceptable to, to broach those topics. And changes are happening because of that. So I really wonder what Jamaats around the world are doing. I would like to see more of that. Also, because sometimes I feel like I don't know many people in the Jamaat. And like when I go to Kane, I'm... I go alone and I often still feel very uncomfortable just because I just feel like 
like I don't really know many people and it's just walking to, into a space that sometimes feels unfamiliar because I haven't been there for a while and and not having anybody around me that I do know like when I I go to mosque every once in a while with my sibling it just feels kind of like interesting because we don't sit together and I just want I want to I want to be with my my person you know because I would feel more comfortable that way 100% I mean it's so nice to to sit and, and have all everyone around you you know and pray I really love that. I think the smiley, the one in the smiley rituals and practices, like they're so, they're comforting, you know, because there's just, we all do the same things and we engage with them. And then Vermont's can be a little different, but you know, there's always like a bit of a recipe, you know, and not having people around you really changes how, how things turn out. And like you said, it's so like, everyone goes to Connie usually with, with someone else, right? It's hard to go to Connie alone, I think. Yeah. And um, I just, like, if that's my experience, I couldn't even, like, I can fathom, but, like, it, it would be ten times harder for somebody with trans identity. Mm-hmm. I agree. Mm. Mm-hmm. I wonder, you know, what did you think about your UI experience? Okay, so I guess I have an anecdote that really, I feel like, encompasses <laughs> what I feel about my BUI experience. Um, so this was right after the Calgary Didar. I forget how old I was, but it was before I was in grade six. You know, the whole Jamath went to Calgary for this. And after we were in BUI talking about this experience and how everybody's trip to Calgary was and how Didar was, and they, uh, my like BUI teacher talked about his experience renting a car when he was in Calgary and he was like yeah like they they like tried to give me this like old Taurus like this old Ford Taurus and I was like I'm like refused to drive that car and I made them give me something better and I was sitting there this kid who was literally like I got dropped off here in a Taurus from the 80s so (laughs) It was like, I don't, I felt like sometimes this, the culture is very elitist and that I just didn't fit in for that reason. Yeah. How about you? Definitely. I think there's like a lot of, like you said, there's that wealth. The community is very prideful. And part of that pride is, is being wealthy, you know, wearing the nice clothes and, and driving the nice cars and, and showing up in that capacity. Even still though, I, I had a really positive BUI experience actually. Things were complex with my faith at home, mm-hmm. but BUI made it a lot easier. Like it was just, I could practice however I wanted at BUI and that was quite nice. And even just being able to connect with the other kids, I, all the storytelling and the, and the learnings and everything. I, I loved school well, when I was younger and still I love school, but uh, classroom environments can be kind of hard for me now. Even still though, I, I quite enjoy learning and school. And so, um, the UI was great. I just loved, uh, well, I think it's so awesome about these smiley communities, how we use activity and how there's lots of activities to engage with and, and connect with people during, well, I, I'd say more so outside of the prayer and, and, you know, like I guess there is a lot of ways to engage when you know folks in, in the, in the Jamath during the everyday but there's still lots of opportunities like the ball hockeys and and we would always do those like oh heritage box i can't remember there was like this big thing in in the parks 
Um, oh shoot, I can't remember what they would call them though. Mm, just by Rendell Park. Did you okay. ever go to this? Yeah, yeah. It was always like these big. Um, oh, are you talking about Partnership Walk? There you go, Partnership Walk. Yes, yeah, Partnership yeah. Walk, right? Yeah, I still go to that. Pre-COVID, I was still going. Yeah. Oh, I haven't gone in so long. I'm gonna go next time, hundred percent. Yeah. Look, if there's free biryani, you better show up. You have to go, right? It's oh my gosh, I miss Kanye biryani. It's the creep. <laughs> it's I miss it too. <laughs> Thanks. But yeah, I think that's, so I had a really great BY experience. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that you did. And I really, I wish that, I wish I had a similar experience. I wish I remembered the things that I learned. I don't know. This whole thing about coming out, you know, out to my family, you know, I wouldn't, I could never imagine coming out to the broader Jamaati community. That's a bit of a nerve wracking thing. I don't know if, honestly, if, if there would be inclusion or not, you know? And then, you know, I, I pick my people. I know a surprising amount of queer smileys. Yeah, no, I think there's a lot of queer smileys. Um, there's a face. Like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think my mom showed me that ages ago. Um, but there definitely are a, a lot of queer smileys. Let's start a queer smiley, Jamath. Let's do it. I know, okay, be I'm being curious. Yeah. Yeah, we'll do our dua, and honestly, that sounds ideal. It could be a, a pretty, a, a Zoom smiley jamat, like a queer smiley jamat wouldn't be too hard to set up. You think? Yeah, I don't think so at all. Yeah. Make a post about it on the uh, on the Facebook. Here, I'll, I'll join it again. I don't know if I'm on it or not, actually. I don't think that I'm on it either, but I will. Mm. Um, so my my sibling was on it and like invited me to it and they messaged me and were like but this was like a several years ago and I wasn't totally out and they were like okay do you identify as queer and I was like I don't know um but I'm certainly an ally and they were like okay well you didn't make the cut so I try I tried (laughs) (laughs) oh I would have done the same like when my mom invited me I would have done the same thing. I would have been like, I'm an ally. Oh, for so long, I was like, I'm so allied. Like, we love queer people. We want to support them. But um, I think that's how a lot of queer people enter the realm, though, right? It's really hard to, it's pretty hard to realize, you know, or hard hard to say it to others. Yeah. And in a world of, like, compulsory heterosexuality, it's just like I grew up and I was like, hey, I'm straight. And then the process of being like, maybe I'm not was not linear it was like back and forth for a while before i was like okay this is who i am 100 percent. i wonder in terms of like it was unfortunate not to have any queer smiley role models or, or folks in the community that i knew like i guess when i was young even now like i don't know too many folks who are open in the community mm-hmm. and who talk about that experience you know not publicly. Like, I know a lot of queer smileys, but it's not like anybody's going around being like, I am queer. Right, yeah. We just, we have to pick and choose who we say it to. Exactly. I think that's, I don't know. I do think that's a pretty normal experience for most queer people in general. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm so curious about, you know, these. Smi- I've been doing a lot of, here, hold, get back, I'm never going to book. Okay. Okay. <laughs> 
So I'm actually a big history buff. Um, and I find that to connect to different groups, organizations, I try to learn about them first or, or look at the history, you know? And so I've been trying to reconnect, right? And so my grandfather, my dada, Baba, had this book. It's called yeah. The Smileys, Their History and Doctrines. Yeah, it's gigantic. And, um, but it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty extensive. And it's really, you know, like so many misconceptions about Ismailis from other Muslims. Yeah. And so this has been great in, in helping me to, to navigate those misconceptions that I've internalized or have been thrown out there um, yeah. and learn more about Ismaili faith and culture, you know. And so I really wonder what I was saying is how Ismailis have looked at gender throughout the ages, you know. Yeah. And what that was like pre-colonization. I'm so I'm just so curious because, you know, I don't know. India was was very much. Gender was looked at very differently before the British came, and uh, and I wonder, you know, what it was like in in the Middle East before the 13th, 12th century, you know, and before mm -hmm. the um the Crusades. I've certainly pondered looked looked at it with Indian culture but not necessarily a smiley culture I um my therapist is doing her thesis on a smiley migration like her PhD thesis on it so I um I smiley migration is so much fun to learn about and read about because the smileys love to move so much right. we've had to right yeah through the you know the persecution and uh yeah smileys are, are great like that so what, you know, you said you were disconnected earlier. Mm -hmm. I'm very curious about what reconnecting has looked like for you. Um, so I think primarily it was unpacking a lot of internalized self-hatred and internalized mm -hmm. racism. And then it became embracing the beautiful parts of the culture um, so the clothes, the prayers, um, and, and learning the history and, and talking to people around me about the history and, and learning that way, trying to learn the language because, because my, it, it's a long story, a kind of racist story about why I don't know the language, but learning it now and and then, yeah, then actually formally practicing it and going back to Kana and stuff. And that's, it's been work. It's certainly not been easy. Yeah, how about you? Totally. I mean, um, it's absolutely work. I remember for a long time, we actually didn't talk to my grandparents because there was family beef. Mm -hmm. And they came over one day after, I think, like seven years. And we said, do it together. And... It was fine, actually, for me, because, um, like, I'd been trying to say do it every now and then, back then. That was earlier in the summer, actually. But my sister, she actually had to leave, and she went downstairs, and she just started crying. Because for her, it was a lot. It was a lot to hear Dua being spoken in her home. It was a lot for the whole family to sit down. It was a lot for Dadima and Dadabapa to come back, to come by. And, and you know, and, and I saw how the racism that she'd internalized, well, she she wasn't able to talk about it. She just said, like, I don't know what's happening. I don't know why this is happening. It was quite apparent, if that makes sense. And I guess we're twins, too. So, I, you know, we have a twin connection. Yeah. Um, 
but it, it is a lot of work to unpack it and to practice is really after those difficulties isn't so easy. Absolutely. Um, like you said, for me, it's still happening. Like I don't, I wouldn't say I'm a, a devout Ismaili. I don't always say dua every day. You know, I don't always do the rituals. I don't remember a lot of the things that, you know, I've been disconnected from. And that's something that's so difficult for me. Mm-hmm. But the process has started by just hanging out more with my, my dad and my dad and papa. And actually my nani and nana came over. So my nani and my nana, is um, that's a maternal grandparents. And dada or dadi or dada papa, dadima, uh, that's paternal grandparents. And so uh, my nani and nana came over from India and they visited. And that was really awesome too. And so things started, I started reconnecting, I'd say um, was 2021. So in 2019 was my first point, moment when they came over, I decided, oh, actually, this is really important to me. Yeah. For me, it was when I realized that in the app, like, I read something today. It said, young people will try to discover their identities with or without your help. And if you don't support them in, in exploring queer identities or, or you know, racial identities, parts of themselves, then they'll do it and they won't have role models or people that to help them stay, you know, keep them on, on a path that is consistent with their own ideology. And so that was what was happening for me back then, where the path I was taking just wasn't one that fit well with me. I was trying to hang out with Muslims that really didn't understand what Ismaili culture was, who we were, and who would put the faith down. Mm-hmm. And that was really harmful for me. They just didn't understand. And, and when I would talk about Ismaili practices, I would feel so shameful. And so... You know, when my nani and nana came over, I realized that that was what was happening. And I decided that I needed to reconnect and, or else I would be struggling like this for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we would say Lua sometimes. They wouldn't really ask us to if we didn't want to, but sometimes we would. And, and then I decided to start reading Lua again and, and saying it just whenever I felt like it, or even if I was having a difficult time and wanted something to ground you know, and then I think I, I just started hanging out more, a lot more with my daddy, my, my dad, papa, and, uh, you know, my great grandmother. We call her Shirima, but I don't know if that's a universal term. <laughs> I am. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I don't know why. It's, it's a, anyways, and then just practicing with them. I like to practice a lot with others, so I'll practice uh, with, with them or with my dad. Um, and sometimes I will alone. And I really like to read about the history and migration patterns, you know, and read, read on the internet, you know, and, and sort of uh, the next step for me, I think, in, in my journey is connecting more with other smileys um, and feeling good about practicing communally, because that's the part that, that was always a struggle. I remember I would actually feel bad at BUI when I was small because, like, you know, people around me would openly talk shit about Muslims and it made it quite difficult to practice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I get that. It, it becomes a very long process of trying to reconnect and there's so much to learn and so much to take in. And I think that I really underestimated how emotional doing my dua for the first time after a long time would make me feel. And I think, yeah, I think you had a similar experience. Mm-hmm. It does. It's a lot. It brings up a lot. 
It is. Yeah. And um, certainly we need to do this queer smiley group so we can all get together and practice communally. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I miss that. I have like a thuspy wall in my, so I printed off all the thuspies and put them on my wall and I, I'll say them every once in a while too. So Mm -hmm. it is, it's, it's been a really hard process. It's been hard, but so, so worth it, you know? So, um, yeah. One of those things, you know, that just changes everything. Yeah. Yeah. I think in the era that we grew up in, in Shard Part 2, was like there's so much anti-Muslim rhetoric. Like, um, I remember several people came coming up to me when I was in grade 7, I think, when Osama bin Laden was killed. And I had, like, several people come up to me and be like, I'm so sorry, you like, your father was killed and all that. And I know a lot of people who, like, had the same experience. Wow. You know, I think when 9-11 happened, wow, I didn't even realize that. But actually, our family disconnected around then, too. Um, I remember when I started bringing, like, I I would bring bring thespies out in public, and I would, um, like, I put one in my car last year. And my family, I didn't realize how afraid they were, because when I did that, everyone looked at me and they said, aren't you afraid? I'm like, of what? And they're like, that someone might damage your car or, or, or harm you. And I was like, no, why, why would that be the case? And people are afraid. Like, uh, you know, actually my, um, I was talking to my great grandma's sister. Uh, she just was on the phone. We were on the phone together and she was like, I, I would like to visit her, but I'm afraid that if I come over and, um, you know, I'm, I'm in, she's in BC. If I come over, that if someone saw my car, they would vandalize it because I came over and during during the, a COVID time, and that made me reflect about how this fear of practice is something that is, especially in the older folks, something that like it's very legitimate, very real, and and something they like a, an experience they go through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's based on a lot of trauma for the older folks. Like we talked about the nomadic patterns of the community and how it's been very much by necessity. Mm-hmm. And so that like intergenerational pattern of like just generally being afraid of existing has definitely perpetuated. Mm-hmm. And it does make it hard to practice and especially to openly practice. Mm-hmm. It is kind of cool. I think, you know, how since the smileys have moved everywhere, basically, you know, it's so cool that Ismailis are such a, like, I feel like we're, we're such a multi-ethnic group, you know? Yeah. Like, there's so, so many ethnicities under the Ismaili umbrella. Mm-hmm. That, like, I don't know. I can't think of another group, another organization, another community I've been a part of that is actually as diverse as the Ismaili community. Mm-hmm. You know? So I feel that even though it is sometimes a bit m- more elitist or or, you know, like that it still is such a it's, it's an open community still it is it's accepting in a, in a lot of ways in a lot of ways it's not and like we can be critical of the community and still like just love it deeply or cer- certainly that's how I feel about it but like when a lot of Syrian refugees were coming and a lot of Afghani folk were coming 
um, they started coming to the, our mosques. And, I remember. and we, we started switching up our, our duas and our, our prayers and our like ginans and everything to be inclusive. And I, I didn't really realize what was happening then. I just kind of realized the shift and was like, okay, this is happening and didn't think much of it. And now I look back and I think about it and I'm like, oh yeah, like this was just like a, um, being inclusive to people who didn't have a, a jamath when they came here. So it's like things like that, that I'm like, yeah, the community is certainly very beautiful in that sense. You're making me think of, uh, um, you know, when my mom, we would visit her, we visited her partner up in Fort Mac once or twice. And uh, this was back in, yeah, 20, like 2012, 2010, maybe. And I remember going to the Jamaat and I was expecting like somewhere like, you know, Bell Reef with the, the, the amazing architecture and, and the high ceilings, you know, and, and the beautiful carpets um, or um, I love Bell Reef. I actually went to Bell Reef. I remember now um, for BY for like the first and second grade, then switched over to South Con- South Cane yeah. for, um, for, for the rest. Um, is beautiful too, but honestly, I personally am part Bell Reef Kane is the shit. Yeah. It's so gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it too. Um, and I like the north side quite a bit as well. Yeah, the Jamaat was just someone's basement. We just went to someone's basement oh. and, uh, and prayed. And, you know, I think that's something that happens and is common too with the community because we've had to, at times, even, like, hide the faith and, and practice in secret and and, you know, there were times where Ismailis had to pretend to be Sunni Muslims or, or just hide the faith entirely for, you know, survival mm-hmm. or fear of persecution. And, and so I think it's so cool how, you know, we can practice anywhere, anytime. And, and the Jamaat, like, a lot of people do have difficulty making it to the Jamaat, right? Mm-hmm. But still, practice is encouraged at home and, and is easy to do and very accessible. Yeah. And also the Aga Khan has often said, right. Like if that's how you're going to do it, that's how you're going to do it. And it makes no difference. Totally. Although, okay. What I need to look up now, cause I'm thinking about this is if the Aga Khan has said anything about queerness or gender. Cause I don't know. I've never heard of Herman in Kane, Aginan, nothing no. about a queer identities, gender. And I really, really wonder now, I know my mom, she gets so frustrated because she's like, the next Aga Khan should be a woman. And <laughs> she says that a lot. Not like, hey, I also, I have thoughts on like the, I forget what the name is for like a group of people who they can't, like they can't marry within the group. There's a name for it. Mm, I, don't know. I learned it in a first year sociology class. I forget. Um, anyway, so the Aga Khan doesn't marry within the community. Oh, I didn't know that, really. Yeah, which means that they always marry white people. So the Aga Khan and the whole lineage is, like, pretty much all white. And the Aga Khan's always a white dude, which is kind of, like, that bothers me a little. I didn't know that. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's because, you know, we're, we're his spiritual children, right? Right, exactly. That makes sense, right? That's what I was thinking. Mm. You didn't have that poster growing up that showed you the Aga Khan lineage? No, I didn't. Oh, let me find it. If I find Yeah, send it to me. I'm so curious. I want to see his lineage now. Well, I mean, we say it in our dua, you know. Yeah. Has the Aga Khan always been white? Yeah. For Seriously? For a long time. Because yeah. a lot of the, like, the, the females that they've married have been outside of the community. Mm-hmm. They've all been white. Well, something I've noticed about 
Ismailism is there is a strong proximity to Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, you know, I, that's always made me wonder and be so curious because Shiro Park is a very Christian community, mm-hmm. you know? And, and even like Ismailism, I think does intersect with Christianity a fair bit in, in some of our theo- theologies or, or, you know, in, in, um, and so I've always been so curious about why there was that disconnect here. It's quite different now, I think, in, in Shiro Park than it was 10 years ago. Like, it's just there's so many more um, people of color mm-hmm. around. There really is. Like, it's awesome. Um, yeah. It's certainly improved compared to when we were growing up there. Where I was, I was the only person of color in my school for all of elementary, and then I was one of maybe three or four in junior high. Same here. But, you know, I pick up my school, my little brother from school, every every now and then. And, like, I, I've been around the – I had a job where I actually walked around the whole, the whole community, um, went door to door. And, you know, especially, like, in the new areas, it's very diverse. Like, it's almost like my north side sometimes. And – in in the older areas, it's definitely not like that, but there's still lots and lots of actually people of color and uh, in, in the schools. I guess I don't think that same experience is there for my little brother, you know, and I, that makes me really happy. That's there's good. still a lot of white people, but I see so many brown faces and, and Asian faces, and so that's great. Yeah, I, I try and avoid going there. As an adult, when I was like 19, I had a bartending job in Shirt Park. And a guy walks in with a swath, like a very visible, visible swastika tattoo on his arm. And mm-hmm. my, my like general manager forced me to serve him. Like I was like, I don't oh. want to serve this guy. He fully has a swastika tattoo on his arm. Yeah. I was like, I was like 18, 19. That would have been like four or five years ago. So not long enough ago for us to be like, oh, it was back in the day. But yeah, like little things like that, things that happened like that in Shirt Park, I'm just like, I never want to go back there. 100%. No, I understand. It is, um, what's really helped me in this community is that I've connected to a group of, uh, like like I volunteered here quite a bit when I was in high school and have continued some of those connections. And that's what's helped me stay, stay here and feel very comfortable because I have a connection with like, these groups who are very anti-racist and, and very committed and dedicated to social justice and creating positive social change within our, our community and who are very affirming. I guess white allies. I have a, a lot of white allies uh, here, which, which really does help me feel comfortable and safe. And I know that um, my sister definitely doesn't feel the same way because she doesn't have those, that, that group of folks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hear that from my cousins too, because it sounds like they don't really have that community either. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe there's a little bit to be said about the um, intersection of gender too. Cause like, I, I know that some of my experiences happened also because I'm a woman, you know? Yeah. Shore Park is also a difficult place for women. I will agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Honestly, it's actually, um, when we talk about violence in the community here, that is something that, I don't think has changed very much mm-hmm. because I know a lot of, there is a lot of sexual violence that goes on here and domestic violence. And I just know of so many people who've, who've been victimized within a school setting, you know, 
and it's more prevalent, I think, than in other communities. Mm-hmm. So I would agree, 100%. There's, it's very gendered, mm-hmm. the oppression. Yeah. So maybe we should divert from Sherwood Park things. <laughs> I still have a lot, a lot of Sherwood Park trauma I need to unpack. Yeah. <laughs> no, it is good to hear how you're reconnecting, and I need to maybe find that book. Love. I'll send you a link to it. I think I might have found an online copy somewhere. Yeah, um, honestly, I would love that. Thanks for oh. connecting us, Anna. Yeah, I honestly really enjoyed this. <laughs>